Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And I'm going to give you this thought and hope I can be a blessing to you tonight. Ephesians, chapter number 2. And I want to start reading in verse number 1. If you're able to stand, stand with us tonight as we read the Word of God. Ephesians, chapter number 2, and verse number 1. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others." But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus." For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And Lord, I pray that tonight you'd enable me as I stand in this place, God, to deliver the message you've impressed upon our heart for this hour. Lord, I thank you for this pastor and his wife and, and child. And, Lord, I pray would you bless them, Lord, as they labor in this place. Lord, I pray that you'd help this congregation, God, that uh, in the days ahead would you strengthen them. And, Father, would you grow them. And, Lord, would you pour out your blessings. Most of all, Lord, pour out your Spirit in this place. Lord, we know it's by your Spirit uh, that the work of God is done and increased. And God, I pray that you would help them, Father, in these days. And God, I pray tonight, would you challenge our hearts tonight for those that may be here saved. Lord, I pray you'd help us to get a greater burden for those around us that are not saved. And Father, if there's one here tonight among us that does not know that they're saved by the grace of God, I pray that God tonight would just speak to their heart in a definite way. And Lord, we're going to give you praise and honor and glory. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray and we ask it. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul writing here in the book of Ephesians, and he begins in verse number 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children, of disobedience. And he says in verse 3, "...among whom also we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath." even as others. I think everyone here tonight that's saved by the grace of God, you can remember a time in your life that this describes, as Paul was writing here, there was a time before you were saved that you were simply walking according to the course of this world. So you were uh, walking according to the lust of the flesh and of the mind. We all were in that state apart from God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But I'm glad that he comes down and he said, but God, who 
is rich in mercy. I'm glad that when I was lost, when I was unregenerated, when I was dead in trespasses and sin, there was a God that loved me enough that He would send His Son that I might know Him in the free pardon of sin. I'm glad for that tonight, and I'm thankful for that tonight. As far as I can tell tonight in this meeting, everybody here is probably saved. But you see, I don't know your heart. Only God does, and only you know that. But I know this, that the Bible tells us that we must be born again. I begin to think about this. Here he talks about the gift of salvation. And he said, for by grace are you saved. And he says, it's not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. Not of works, he said. And so God clearly lays out that salvation is of the Lord. I was... I've got a preacher friend of mine. Matter of fact, I think uh, your pastor knows him from Greenville, Tennessee, Brother Tracy Jones, a good friend of ours. And Brother Tracy, he's an odd fella. He, he likes to send me text messages pretty regularly, and, and he'll have some great thoughts. And one day he sent me a text message and that caused me to begin to think about what he had said. And I got this text message just out of the blue with no explanation or anything. And this is what the text message said. It simply said, this. It said, a man who only has religion is like a letter marked for heaven, but with no, no postage stamp to get it there. And I began to think about that. The more I thought about that, I, and I, I later learned the backstory on that. He, he told me, I said, preacher, tell me what made you think about that. He said, well, I was headed to the post office to mail some letters. And he said, they, I got to looking at them. He said, everything was in order on those letters. They all said they were going somewhere, but none of them didn't have a stamp on them. And he said, I got to thinking, that's how a lot of uh, people today in this world, they're religious-minded people, and they'll tell you they're marked for heaven. They'll tell you, well, I believe yeah, I believe I'll, when I die, I'll go to heaven. I believe everything's, I, you know, I've done this and I've done that, and, and I've been a good person. And they all will say they're marked for heaven, but the fact of the matter is, if nothing has ever been applied to your life, then, friend, you don't have what it takes to go to heaven. I'm preaching on that subject tonight, on do you have what it takes to go to heaven applied to your life? Has there been a time in your life when you realized you were lost without God, and the power of the Holy Spirit drew you to salvation, and you called upon the Lord and understood that He was the one and the only one that could save you. I begin to think about that very thought. Matter of fact, I brought some letters with me tonight. I preached this message at the church and I illustrated this thought in this manner. Everybody knows what it is to mail a letter and you've got to have certain things on that letter if you're going to mail it. And uh, I've got a letter here if you could see it and you can't probably from where you're sitting tonight. But every letter has to have a place it is departing from. On this letter right here, I put the address of our church, my the church I pastor. I, I put on there Dyson Grove Baptist Church, 8483 Roan Creek Road, Butler, Tennessee, 37640. And that's the place of departure that this letter says it's going from. And then I put, there has to be a particular destination for a letter. You don't just put a letter in the mail and not tell where it's going. But on this one, I put an address and I put your name, 316 John Street, Glory Avenue, Heaven, 77777. 
Hallelujah. And I thought about that, but you say that's kind of humorous. I guess it is. But the fact of the matter is, heaven is a real destination. And I, I got that letter and I looked at it and I said, you know, everything says it's in order on that letter. Matter of fact, you look at it and you say, well, that could arrive if they could deliver it there. But the fact of the matter is, this letter has nothing applied to it that would get it there. I went to the post office. Matter of fact, I went to the post office. I carried this letter in, and I walked up to the desk. The lady was working there, and I, I, I laid it down on the counter. I said, uh, ma'am, I need to ask you something. I said, uh, I've got this letter here, and as, as you can tell, I'm not going to mail it. I said, but uh, if, if this was a destination that you could deliver this letter to, I said, is everything in order on that? She said, well, everything looks pretty good. I said, well, would it go like it is? She said, no, sir. She said, uh, there, there's not a stamp on it. I said, oh, okay. I, I just wanted to get that. I began to think about that. You see, everybody, uh, that place of departure, that's an important thing because the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Every one of us are going to leave this world. I heard a story about an old mountain preacher. He was preaching one day to the congregation and said all of a sudden he pulled his old pocket watch out of his coat and he held it up and he said, Church, this is my old pocket watch. He said, I've had it for many, many years and it's been faithful. Tick, 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 tick. Just faithful every day. No problem. But he said a funny thing happened the other day. He said it stopped ticking and it refused to stop start again. And he said, that's exactly what's going to happen to all of us one of these days. There's going to come a day when that that's inside of us, that heart that's beating tonight, that heart that's pumping, well, there's going to come a time when it's going to stop beating and will refuse to start again. It's at that point that you better know that you know that you know that you have applied to your life what it takes to get to heaven. I wish I could tell you, when I look at this, this says... Uh, this letter is going to heaven. I wish I could tell you that heaven was the only destination that there is for a soul when it dies, but I would be remiss if I told you that because I read in the Word of God in Matthew chapter 7, there's two roads, the Bible said. There's one road the Bible describes as, as a broad road that leadeth down to destruction, and it said, Many there be that go in thereat. And then I read there's another road. It's straight as the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life under everlasting, and few there be that find it. If you're here tonight and you found that road and you know that you're saved by the grace of God, you ought to be shouting happy out of all the people on planet earth breathing air tonight that you don't have to go to hell. Amen. I'm glad, praise God, that listen, I'm glad that there is a destination that every one of us should desire and that place is called heaven. I thought about that. You know, uh, these, uh, this here uh, point of departure date, everybody wants to identify with something when they leave this world. Matter of fact, many of you, when you died, if you died uh, tomorrow, They'd put it in your obituary column. They'd put it in the paper and they'd say they were a member of the Wall Ridge Baptist Church of Knoxville, Tennessee. And then there might be some of you who never, you may have attended here, but you never did join the church. And they'll word it like this in your obituary. They'll say they attended the Wall Ridge Baptist Church. And then there's those people that when they die, they wasn't interested in going to church and didn't care much about preaching and the things of God, but they want to identify. 
identify with something when they die. And they always word it like this in their obituary. They were of the Baptist faith. I don't know why us Baptists have to claim all them people didn't want to go to church. Why can't the Methodists and the Presbyterians claim some of them? Why is it that we have to claim them when they die? They were of the Baptist faith. But I got news for you. Being a Baptist won't get you to heaven. Being a Methodist won't get you to heaven. Being a Pentecostal or a Charismatic won't get you to heaven. The only thing that's going to get you through the gates of God's heaven is to know that the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to your life. Hallelujah to His name. I was talking to the lady that day. I said, so you telling me everything's in order here, but there's one thing lacking. She said, yes. She, I said, what would it take for this to be mailed? She said, there'd have to be a price paid for it to be delivered. Amen. I said, glory to God. I'm glad, I, I'm glad that I can tell you tonight that there was a price paid that you and I could be delivered. Hallelujah. There was a day when the God of glory stepped off of his throne, robed himself in flesh, and he came down, and the angels announced his birth and arrival in a little town called Bethlehem in a manger there. And the Bible said he grew up and went about doing good, healing the sick and raising the dead. And at the age of 33 and a half years, he picked up an old rugged cross and climbed a hill called Calvary. And there, as they hung him between heaven and earth, and they drove the nails in his hands and his feet, and he hung his head and died and said, It is finished. I'm glad, praise God, that the price was paid once and for all, that all who will come to Him can know Christ in the free pardon of sin. Hallelujah. I'm glad I can tell you about a no-so salvation tonight because of a God that made it so. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad, praise God, that you've been delivered tonight. Hallelujah to His name. I said, so this needs a, there has to be a price paid for this to be delivered. I, she said, yeah, it needs a stamp. I've got another letter with me. It's identical to the first one. Matter of fact, it's got the same point of departure, Dyson Grove Baptist Church, Butler, Tennessee. It's got the same particular destination. Your name, 316 John Street, Glory Avenue, Heaven. But there's one, something different about this. If you can see it, this one, has a stamp on it. I asked the lady at the counter, I said, well, you said that first one won't go now because it don't have a stamp. I said, let me ask you something. Do you have a two-cent stamp? She said, yes, sir, we sell a two-cent stamp. I said, could I purchase one of those and would you put it on there? She said, I'll be happy to. And she put that two-cent stamp there on there. And after she put it on there, I held it up. I said, now, you said that first one wouldn't go because it didn't have a stamp on it. I said, this one has a stamp. Would this one go if you could mail it, if you could deliver this? She said, no, sir, that's insufficient postage. I said, well, thank you. I said, would you put one of them stickers on that says return to sender, insufficient postage? She said, I'll be happy to. You say, what are you trying to say, preacher? We're living in a day where everybody you talk to can give you their two cents worth on what it takes to get to heaven. Everybody has got an idea. If you want to find out how to get to heaven, you go down. 
out the old uh, corner store hangout where all them Bible theologians hang out. None of them go to church, but they can tell you all about the Bible. And they'll tell you 50 different ways. Well, I believe if you'll just be a good neighbor somehow or another, you'll get in one of these days. Or maybe if your mom and daddy was good people, that somehow or another God won't hold it to your account. And, and oh, there's all kinds. If you'll just work and do good deeds or maybe give money to the needy and the poor and all those things are good within their self. But the fact of the matter is, salvation is not of works lest any man should boast. You're never going to be good enough to go to heaven. You're never going to be work enough to go to heaven. Hallelujah. If you go to God's heaven, it'll be solely by the grace of Almighty God, that unearned, unmerited favor of God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Praise God. It won't be because you got a lot of money in the bank if you go to heaven. I'm glad they're not listening. The night I got saved, I was a young boy. I don't even know if I had a dime in my pocket, but I didn't need a dime in my pocket because salvation is a free gift. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that He made it so that whosoever will, let Him come and take of the water of life freely. Hallelujah. I'm glad it doesn't matter your stature in life. It doesn't matter your social status. I'm glad there's a God that put it down so that everybody, anybody wanted it, could come and take of the water of life. Hallelujah to His name. I looked and I said, so you're telling me that won't make it? She said, no. That'll not get the job done. That'll not take it. I said, all right. And I brought another letter with me. This one is identical to the first two. The point of departure is Dyson Grove Baptist Church. And the particular destination is your name, 316 John Street, Glory Avenue. And this one, I had this stamp at the house, and I put it on the letter before I took it to the post office. And after I talked to her about those first two, I pulled this one out, and I laid it down. If you can see it, it has a stamp on it. And I laid it down, and I looked at her, I said, Now, you said the first one wouldn't go because it didn't have a stamp. And you said the second one wouldn't go because that's not sufficient. It's just not enough to get it there. I said, If you could deliver this letter, would this one go? She said, Yes, sir. That's sufficient postage. You know what kind of stamp is that is, don't you? Forever stamp. Hallelujah. It's forever stamp. I had that at the house. You know what the forever stamp is, don't you? When you go to the post office, when you buy that, that means you pay the price one time. And it's good forever. It don't matter how, listen, the economy may go in the tank and, uh, and everything, the dollar may, come, may become worthless and it costs you $35 to mail a letter, but it won't cost you that if you've got a forever stamp because that price was paid one time. I'm glad, hallelujah, when Jesus saved me, He didn't put me on the installment plan and He didn't expect me to come with something later, hallelujah. I'm glad I've been walking in the liberty uh, where Christ has made me free, I've been freed from my sins. I've been quickened and made alive. Hallelujah to His name. Aren't you glad? And I'm glad for the day that He gave me eternal salvation. Hallelujah. I know there's a lot of people, like the preacher said, they feel like that they're on the, uh, they've just been paroled. They 
not been pardoned. Amen. Can I say to you, I'm glad, praise God, that He washed my sins away. There's nothing on my account tonight. Hallelujah. One of these days when I get to God's heaven, it's not going to be because I was good enough even after I got saved, but it's going to be because God was good enough, Jesus was good enough. Hallelujah. His righteousness is what is going to get me there. Hallelujah to His name. I had a had a boy at the church. They'd been visiting. This little family had visited for a while from over in Virginia. And uh, they were moving to our area. I preached this message at the church on Easter Sunday morning. Had a whole bunch of lost people there. Our folks invited them to come. And we had people saved that morning. It was Easter Sunday night about midnight. I was at home getting ready to wind down go to bed. I was on my computer. And all of a sudden I got a message sent to me by this young man. Young family, got a couple little kids, and and uh, he said, Preacher, I hate to bother you this late. He said, but I can't get away from that message you preached this morning. And I, I didn't know the boy real well, didn't know a lot about his background or anything like that, just knew they'd been attending some. And uh, he said, is there any way you could meet me at the church in the morning? I said, I'd be happy to. I didn't know what was going on. He told me what time, and I, I later found out this old boy, he, he cuts trees for a living. He called his boss at, uh, early on Monday morning and said, Boss, I won't be in until about dinner time today. He said, i got to go to church before I come to work today. And we got down there, me and my son-in-law, he's my assistant pastor, and, and we got down there, we were waiting on him. The old boy got out of his truck. He was in his work clothes, and he walked up, and he had big old tears in his eyes. He looked at me, and this is what he said. He said, Preacher, I've got the two-cent stamp. Preacher, I've got the two-cent stamp. He said, Preacher, you don't know anything about my story, but he said, when I was little, I did something. They'd done something at the church. He said, I don't even remember what happened, to be honest with you. He said, I went through the motions, and he said, from the time I was 13 till now I'm 22 years old, he said, my life has been out in the world, and I carry the scars of sin on me. And he said, but I realize and recognize today that I didn't have what it takes to go to heaven. But he said, preacher, now I'm ready to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I said, well, hallelujah, son, you've come to the right place. Can I say to you, there's a lot of people who's got that two-cent stamp. They're expecting it to get them to heaven when it won't even get them to church half of the time. Amen. I've never had a problem since I got saved wanting to go be with God's people. Now, I understand there are people hindered through work situation. I get that. I understand there are people that are hindered physically. They may have a physical problem. They cannot assemble. But let me tell you something right now. People that are healthy-bodied and got free time, I can't understand why you wouldn't want to be with God's people in the house of the Lord. If you got the right thing applied to your life, you'll want to be there. Hallelujah. But that old boy, he that morning we went in there and got that on the altar. I showed him from the Word of God, and he wept his way to Calvary. The old boy got up, had a glow on his face like you wouldn't believe. Hallelujah to his name. And we rejoiced at what God did for him that day. But I got to thinking about that. That morning as we was there, I went uh, when I went back into the post office, I was talking to that lady. I asked her, I said, now would this letter go? She said, yes, it would. It's That's sufficient postage right there. I said, wait a minute, you forgot one thing. I said, isn't there a seal you have to put on that thing? It's called a postmark date. And she said, yes. I said, could you stamp this one for me and postmark date it? And on this letter right here, the first two don't have that. If you can notice, it don't have it. But every time I read this, this stays the same on this. (laughs) It says April 1st, 2015. 
I didn't mean for it to happen like that, but that's April Fool's Day. Then I happened to think what the Word of God said about the, what the fool has said in his heart, that there is no God. And she put that seal on there. And I said, now, now that that's on there, I said, let me ask you this. I said, I brought this letter to the post office. I said, this post office, this letter could not get to the post office by itself. By the way, church, you need to understand, there are lost people out there. They're not going to get to this place by themselves. They're not going to come many times. They're not going to walk through the door because, uh, but what it's going to take is somebody going and carrying them, somebody going and showing concern, somebody talking to them, talking about them tracks. It may be somebody reaching out with a gospel tract and say, we'd love to have you come to the house of God with us. And I said, I asked the lady, I said, I brought this to the post office. But now, I said, if you could deliver this, I said, is it my responsibility now to get it where it's supposed to go? And she said, no, sir. She said, that would be the responsibility of the one who placed the seal on it. Hallelujah. I said, glory be to God, the day I got saved, I was sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. And boy, I'll tell you one thing right now. There's been some days, even since I got saved as a young boy, that I veered off the path. And I, I, I wasn't where I needed to be with God. But all the while, the one that put the seal on me was there whispering in my ear and drawing me back to the place that I needed to be. And I got news for you. One of these days, He's going to land me on heaven's shore. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad, praise God, that God put something on your life? Hey, the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's something about it that has an upward pull to it. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, ever since I've got saved, sometimes I get down. But you know the reason I can't stay down? Because God put something in me with an upward pull. Before I was saved, Every step I took was a downward step, headed down to a place of destruction. But ever since I've been saved, there's something in me called the Holy Spirit that has an upward pull. Every time I get down, He pulls me up. And one of these days, He's going to pull me plumb out of this world. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad, praise God, that you've got what it takes to go to heaven? Amen. I had a, had a first cousin of mine. And he was a little older than me, and he, he, our lives hadn't intersected much. We'd see one another occasionally. But uh, most of his life, I, as what I knew of his life, he didn't go to church. He didn't, wasn't interested in that type of thing. He was a good old boy, do anything for you. He's a good guy other than that, but he just didn't have much uh, of a record of being in the house of God. And I got news, and somebody told me that he'd been sick and had been in the hospital. I didn't know it till he was already out of the hospital. And I found out that they diagnosed him with a brain tumor, brain cancer. And uh, they had given him treatments and had shrunk the brain tumor. And uh, when I found out he was sick, I, I told my wife, I said, I need to go down there to see him. I said, he's my cousin. And I said, there probably won't be nobody else to go and talk to him about his soul. I said, I need to go because I, I love him and I... So I went down there that day. He was in a little old hospital bed in a little old trailer that was living in down there. And uh, that day I knew him and the woman he was with. They weren't in church, wasn't, didn't really have any indication that they knew anything about being saved. 
But I went that day and I took a little money to them. I told them, I said, we've been praying for you at the church. When I found out what was wrong with you, I said, uh, we brought a little money in case you need the light bill paid or maybe need some groceries. And, and I didn't even talk to him that day about his soul. I just let him know I was concerned. I said, I love you. I want you to know we're praying for you at the church. And he thanked me for that. And I, I told him, I said, I'll be back in a few days to check on you. And sure enough, I went back about a week later and he was feeling well enough till he got up and went out on the front porch with a little old oxygen tank. And he was sitting there at the beautiful sunny day. And I just pulled up and sat down on the porch with him, just began to talk, just reminisce about a few things. And, and uh, finally I looked at him and I said, well, I said, uh, I guess I really need to get to why I'm here. I said, uh, when I heard what's wrong with you, I said, and you know what's wrong with you. And I pointed to his head. He said, yeah, I know. And I said, I know what the doctors have said, and you know what they said. And they've given him just a short amount of time to live. And uh, I said, I can't let you go into eternity. I said, you're my cousin. I love you. I can't let you go into eternity without me asking you, has there ever been a time in your life where you, you humbled yourself before God and you called on the Lord to save you and asked the Lord into your heart? When I asked him that question, he looked there and he he sat there and he, like he pondered on it a minute. And he said, well, he said, I remember when I was little, he said, I was baptized at the church. I said, well, I said, that's good. The Bible says we're to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. But I said, do you remember anything else about that other than being baptized? He looked and he kind of thought about it a minute. He said, no. He said, I can't remember anything else about it other than they baptized me. I changed the subject, and I looked at him. I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, and I called his name. I said, you remember your first pocket knife? He grinned real big, and he said, yeah. He said, I cut my finger with it. I said, about all of us have had that same experience with our first pocket knife. We laughed about that. I said, do you remember when you got your driver's license? He said, yeah, I failed the test twice before I finally got it. We laughed about that. I said, do you remember your first car? He said, yeah, it was a piece of junk. And he called the name of the car. I said, yeah, I know. You sold it to me after you got done with it. <laughs> and we laughed. Both of us laughed. I had forgotten that I bought that old car off of him. It was a piece of junk. It, I ended up trading it for a riding lawnmower, put more miles on the lawnmower than I did the car. We sat there and laughed about those things. And then all of a sudden, I looked at him, and I said, So what you're telling me is this. You remember your first pocket knife? You remember getting your driver's license? You remember your first car? But the thing you're staking your eternal destiny on, you can't remember much about it. I said, Don't you think it's about time you get something you can remember? And it's like it hit him in the heart that day. And he sat there, and he, he said, he said, Yeah, I guess you're right. I said, I can't save you, and I, I, I'm not here to pressure you to be saved. But I said, if the Lord's dealing with you today and you want to call on the Lord, I said, I'll pray with you right here. We'll pray right here. He said, yeah, I think I'd like to do that. And he bowed right there on his porch, and I bowed with him, and I prayed with him. He called on the Lord that day. I preached his funeral three months later, and I stood before that crowd and told them this story that I'm telling you tonight. There are a lot of people that are banking on something they can't even remember to get them to heaven. 
But the fact of the matter is, if something as big as God ever moves into your life, there's no way you'll ever forget it. You know, I've heard, I've heard people tell stories of Alzheimer's patients, of people who would, I mean, they would get to the point in life where their memory had escaped them and they couldn't even remember a husband's name. They, they didn't know their relatives when they would go to see them in the nursing home. But there's a funny thing about those people, that most of them that are saved, even though they can't remember people, they do remember. They'll sing him old hymns. They can still remember them. And they'll talk about the Lord even though they can't remember none of their natural family. I'm glad that there's a God that even though, hey, I may get to the point I don't even know my own name. But I'm glad there's a God that will remember me. And I'm glad there's a God. He won't forget us. Hallelujah. If you've got applied to your life what it takes to go to heaven, I'm glad. Hallelujah. That He'll remember you.